The NBA season is a few months away, but there are still tons of sports for you to get in the game and make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Bet before the game or live in play on all of your favorite teams' matchups. Head to sportsinteraction.com SDPN or download the app to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Welcome to SDPN's off-season miniseries, The Leap, where I sit down with media members from across the NBA to discuss some of the up-and-coming players in the league that could take that next step in their careers. We discuss six players across six different teams, all with different styles and positions in hopes of understanding what makes their development unique. Today, I want to discuss Warriors forward Jonathan Kaminga, entering his third year in the league and definitely the most promising prospect on Golden State. The big man is an elite athlete who, like our previous episode with Achua, is still trying to figure out where he fits best on the court and how he can thrive. But his on-court context is sure to improve this season with the Warriors' addition of Chris Paul. How can this long, rangy defender with potential on the offensive end finally go ahead and take the leap? All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Leap, my off-season little mini-series here dissecting and discussing some of the players uh, that I think next season can take that next step in their careers. Bringing on Charlie, my guy Charlie Cummings, who is is going to be be discussing Jonathan Kaminga for me. Um, You wrote a a very interesting piece uh, at Swish Theory, I believe it was on Swish Theory. um, Yes, sir. About Kaminga. And a potential shooting leap that he he could make in the forthcoming season. I recommend everybody to go ahead and read that first and foremost. But for for the viewers, for people who are listening, just maybe go through briefly why you think he might go through a development with with his shooting. Yeah. So for me, what's really interesting. Um, uh, hi, hello. By the way, good to hello. be here. Yeah. Hi. Uh, <laughs> um. So I went through that and I like doing articles where you assume there's going to be like a definitive conclusion, but really all it is, is just setting up like a tree of possibilities, you know? So in writing that article, like my point was not to say, oh, he's going to have a shooting breakout just to look at the framing of here's where he's at in his career right now. He's known for a whole lot of things besides the shooting. And then so it was really interesting for me to go back and look at some other guys like Tobias Harris, Jeremy Grant, Brandon Ingram, you know, different players within the wing context. But uh, definitely like they weren't they weren't sold as shooters um, coming out. They were sold for other skills. You know, B.I. was like this really accomplished mid-range scorer, could get to the hoop, had a great frame. Uh, Jeremy Grant was kind of just your classic off-ball four back then. Like, he didn't really stretch the floor. He was cutting. He was playing defense. Uh, Tobias Harris has changed his role so many times over the course of his career. Um, So I thought it was interesting to look at that and see what leads to these guys breaking out eventually. And the things I found that were consistent were mid-range success, which has always been a traditional college indicator of guys who are going to shoot, increasing the volume, 
uh, you know, like one I thought was really interesting was Brandon Ingram took like 93s his last season with the Lakers, and then he took like 380 with the Pelicans and was immediately hitting 40% of them. <laughs> um, so I think those two things are really going to show up. But also you see the touch on film. Like he had a stretch uh, January and February of last season where you're shooting about 65% on twos, 40% from deep, and like close to 80% from the line. This is this is Kaminga? Um, this is Kaminga. Yeah. So Kaminga, like he he showed capable stretches and especially the mid-range shot making. Like he's mm-hmm. got a, a surprisingly soft turnaround. Right. Um and another thing that I really like out of him is what do your misses look like? And rookie year, those those were some bad misses. Like those were some real like gunshots, like right. oh no, <laughs> what's going on? Um and now it's like, you know, it's a lot softer, like he's getting some rolls, he's really dialing up his form. You know, Clay Thompson talked about it. He's really tucked that shooting elbow in. It used to be a little splayed to the side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who knows if he, he may never shoot, he may shoot five years from now. And he may start making 40% of them next year. It's impossible to predict when it's going to happen, but I think there is a base uh, for some shooting there. That's really fascinating to me um, because I think, you know, the first thing when you think of like big wingy players who don't really project as shooters, the first thing people assume for them to take that next step is to develop into a shooter at some point, whatever that shooting might be. You you can think of, uh, you listed a couple examples, but you can think of guys who, who didn't eventually make that shooting leap and didn't eventually succeed. And like, it has become some sort of a prerequisite. I wonder when it comes to role clarity, uh, and, and for Kaminga, I feel like that is a huge point. He's entering year three now where... Last year, his role might have not been as clear as it was in his rookie season. What do you think now, entering year three, his role is on this Warriors team? And what might that mean for him developmentally? So I think what's going to be really important for him this year, and you can say this for a whole lot of the young Warriors guys, is Chris Paul. Um, Mm. There is some like murmuring that maybe he's trying to start. I I still think at the end of the day, he's going to be spending the majority of his time running that bench unit. Yeah. Uh, It's just, it's too many problems bringing up the starting lineup and all that. But um, I think, so for the last two seasons, we've seen Jordan Poole has kind of been the secondary offensive focal point. And not only has that been very inconsistent in terms of the scoring, uh, but especially with the playmaking. You know, there were some nights where he was, like, everywhere. He's making these great layoff passes. He's making good skips, you know, getting out and, like, transition, moving the ball to other guys. And then there are other games where he just completely goes full tunnel vision. You know, like, he's driving, collapsing the defense, and then just going for, like, crazy layups that nobody could have made. When they're already down, you know, like, 30, because all the starters have been rested. And... You know, it, it's. I think that's the thing for Kaminga that was frustrating is he's almost exclusively off the ball. So a lot of it is reliant on being in a position where he can draw a closeout, where he can take the shot, where he can cut out of the corners. Like, he's really good roving from baseline to baseline, looking for opportunities. Right. Um, so I think having a guy like Chris, who's not only a diminished scorer at this point of his career, like not a guy that's just going to be 
going out and hunting his shot every time. But such an accomplished playmaker, like unbelievable court sense, knows where everybody is. So I don't foresee much of a role change through Kaminga. Like he's still going to be predominantly off ball, spacing out of the corners, uh, you know, cutting off of like pick and rolls off the sides. Um, But what I think is going to be important is that consistency Mm -hmm. because he really dialed up the effort last year. But when the primary playmaker on the floor with you is, you know, who even knows if he's going to make plays tonight, right? uh, then that makes it really hard to see the rewards. And then, you know, he started pressing and, you know, trying to handle the ball a little bit more. And it just kind of boiled over to a frustration point, I think, with the coaching staff. But yeah, I think like being the off ball guy with Chris Paul, whether he's in the middle of the action or just, you know, standing off in the corners trying to draw closeouts, I think that's going to be really important for him. I agree with you that Chris should come off the bench because uh, I just think the the Warriors starting lineup was just so effective when healthy, when available that like they were still one of the, I think it was third or second in the league in the lineup. It was them and the Nuggets, right, for for starting units that were just first. They were first, right? There we go. So so I just don't think you need don't broke what ain't you know what I mean? Like don't fix yeah. what ain't broke. Is the saying I'm messing up right now, but you get it. You understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, and I think from a bench perspective, having a guy like Kaminga and having Chris Paul, it makes me wonder if we see more screening actions, more pick and rolls, which is not necessarily what the Warriors have been known for uh, in the Steph Curry age, if you will. Um, do you think we see more pick and rolls? Do we see Kaminga being in those actions more often as a rim runner? I, I, I have the number here, but he was. 1.17 points per possession as a, as a pick and roll roll man last season. Frequency wasn't that high, but do you think that's something they tap into more, especially with the addition of Chris Paul? Absolutely. Um, I think we've seen they they run a pretty consistent pattern where pick and roll usage just gets scaled up throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the the idea being, you know, Steph Curry doesn't need pick and roll reps to no. like continue to be good at pick and roll. You know, he can just do whatever. He's He's got, like, this unbelievable chemistry with his role, guys. So he can just, like, ramp it up and not see a drop in production in the playoffs, right. which is crazy. Um, and Chris Paul has traditionally been, like, the same guy in the playoffs. He's very efficient on the pick and roll. But regular season, he's getting, like, at least 50% of his offense out of it in the offense he creates for others. Right. Uh, I believe, you know, we're, we're definitely in the – the downswing of the Chris Paul we used to know, but he was still a 90th percentile pick and roll guy when you include passes, uh, according to Synergy. Um, so I think they will definitely ramp up the usage. Uh, is it going to be a complete overhaul? No. Like Steve Kerr is a tweaks guy. He's not going to throw out the book that's brought them four championships. Mm-hmm. But I do think that will be really important, not only to play into the Paul's strengths, but to simplify things for the younger guys off the bench. Yeah. Um, because, you know, assuming right now that they don't go out and get another center who's going to be a rotation guy, you're probably going to have three pretty young guys off the bench with Kaminga, Moses Moody, and Trace Jackson Davis. And if you keep things simple for them, you do like less motion concepts, you kind of just make the game a little more standstill for them. Um, I think that'll be really, really helpful. And especially when you consider that Chris Paul will be the guy running it. 
you know, right. you will get rewarded for moving correctly off the ball. You will get rewarded for cutting. If you create any sort of like passing window as the rolling big, he will find you. Yeah. So I think I think they will definitely scale up the usage. So I I, I wonder because okay, so one of the videos we have here for the leap, I'm talking to a Raptors person about Precious Achua, and for him, role mm-hmm. is so important, position is so important. Precious has been, uh, for all intents and purposes, has been an elite role man, elite you know big he's he's like six nine six ten but he's he can play that small ball five for you um but he wants to be more of a wing he wants to be more of an on-ball creator and i think there are there's room for him to to at least tap in and experiment on that level do you think that's also an issue with kaminga where positionally maybe he wants to be something versus what he is or what he projects to be i think there is some of that you know, like the cell, the cell coming out of college was interesting. I mean, out of the G League was interesting because at that time, like that was still when I was, uh, you know, pretty heavily into doing draft content, like breaking down film on most like top 30, 40 guys. Yeah. And I never saw him as a two or a three, as some other people had projected. I didn't think that the handle would get there. I didn't think the shot would get there. I wasn't sure. You know, and part of it, too, is, like, if he's that explosive vertically and that good of an instinctive cutter, then, you know, those strengths are a bit wasted if he's playing more of an on-ball role as opposed to kind of, like, playing the four. Um, And we all know that the Warriors, like, their spacing is so important. So if you have a two or three that's just, like, a total non-shooter, then that's not really going to fly. What's interesting to me, and we've seen a lot of this off-season stuff, too, where, like, he was allegedly unhappy with his role and you know probably looking for like a little meat on the bone in terms of his offensive production yeah um i think they can afford to give him some reps as if he were more of a wing type guy as opposed to like combo forward Mm -hmm. uh because you know the handle the handle his rookie season was like atrocious you know he was dribbling it off his knees like you didn't you didn't even have to like get hands in there for him to like lose control of the dribble. He'd, you know, like go for a spin move and the ball would just fly away at right. some point. Like those kinds of things. And year two, he really cleaned it up. Like he was efficient. He was picking good opportunities. It was really hard to knock the ball out of his grip. And he wasn't committing those like self-imposed mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder if there are some spots where they feel comfortable, like going a little bigger, maybe playing him at the three a little more and seeing if he can tap into some of that on-ball creation. Because I think the next step when you talk about scaling up a wing player like that is, oh, okay, he can shoot enough to draw a closeout, which is great because we know he can certainly attack one. You know, right. he, can take two, he can take two dribbles, get from the perimeter to the rim. He can finish around or usually above, above most yeah. players. <laughs> yeah. uh, so... Um, like that, that sort of builds out that all fall scaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it's okay, you have enough handle to, like, you know, pump fake, get out of a closeout, do side steps, get to the rim, whatever. Can you take the role on the ball now, like work on screen manipulation? Can you just straight up break down a guy one on one? Those kinds of things, I think, are the next steps that will determine his offensive ceiling. Yeah. And I think I think now is the time to do that because, you know, when you have a guy like 
Chris Paul instead of Jordan Poole, I think you can rely on a lot more offensive consistency. And you have a guy who's going to be way better off the ball. Um, you know, Poole, when he, when he didn't have the ball in his hands, he could be really disengaged sometimes. And I think it made it harder for the other guys on that bench unit to figure out how to create for themselves. Yeah. So I think having a guy like Chris Paul in there will hopefully empower him to, you know, run a little pick and roll now and then, or just take more straight up perimeter isolations because that is the logical next step in his, uh, in his overall scoring game. Yeah. And like, just looking at some of the numbers, like he, the transition game is incredible. 1.07 points per transition bucket, 1.42 off of cuts, 1.23 off screens. Like they're, tangibly as an off-ball guy, he seems like he can thrive if that role is expanded. And like you said with Chris Paul, if the ball just gets in his hands more often, um, I I think that's a way for him to thrive. Sometimes when we think about development and when we look at a player as tantalizing as Jonathan Kaminga, we think about the leap versus these incremental leaps that lead to that leap. Um, And I wanted to ask, I've been asking everybody this, but... What do you think is the the leap next season for Kaminga? What does that tangibly look like for him to grow as a player moving into year three? Yeah, I think the main leap, um, a lot of it's going to come on the defensive end. And that's, I think, is really saying a lot because he's already so much more accomplished as a defender uh, than he is offensively. Um you know, we've kind of talked about all of the things he can do in terms of shooting a little bit more, maybe trying to handle a little bit more that will improve his offense. But I think he's got, like, true world-beater, first-team all-defense type tools, awareness, just his overall functional athleticism combined with being, like, as good, you know, running, jumping his, as his anyone sheer else. size, like being able, like he has the foot yeah. speed to guard down. He has the size to guard up. Yeah, I agree with you. He has all the potential in the world to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think it was really interesting uh, last year. I'm not going to use the exact words that Draymond used, but he said, Jonathan is locking up. Like mm-hmm. he may be like our third best defender already. And that to me is so crazy because when you look at the things that like he's asked to do and some of the matchups that he's asked to take on, um, that is really impressive. You know, like he has faced some tough guys and he's shut them down. Like he had a game uh, where I've, I've mentioned this game before. They rested like every starter against the Pelicans. So Kaminga's starting. He's going head to head with Brandon Ingram and he held him to like two of 14 shooting like was just right up under his chin the entire game, just affecting every single shot, like blocking a fair amount of shots while on the ball, which always to me is such an impressive indicator of like, oh, if you can get beat just a little bit and you know how to recover just right to get that block without fouling, like that's the special stuff. Right. And to be doing it at this young is really impressive. Um, I, I would like to see some improvement off the ball. You know, like he can be kind of a floater when it comes to rebounding. You know, like he's not finding a body as much as he should be. But I think that's just sort of the comparison of like, oh, those are the things you expect from like 20-year-old rookie wing who's only been playing basketball for like seven, eight years of his life at this point. Yeah. Uh, Another just crazy thing to me. Yeah. But uh, 
like he those things are more what you expect. You don't expect a guy this young and this raw to be a legitimate like top ten percent wing defender already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with much, as you said, like all the physical potential for more. Yeah. So I'd, I'd really like to see, you know, some off ball development, like making some better rotations, boxing out a little bit more because he, you know, he doesn't have to be the kind of defender where it's, Oh, if he's not like guarding someone one-on-one or like operating through a pick and roll, he's not really that effective. Like right. he can be such a good weak side guy. Yeah. Uh, his his ability to high point the ball on rebounds is just crazy. So I think you know seeing that off ball defensive engagement next year would be a real sign uh, that he's on that path. I love that you brought up the defense because uh, you know the, for the fir- for the first part of this podcast we talked majority about his his offensive repertoire and how he can grow on that end, but the defensive end uh, seems like an area where just like you c- it could be his calling card in a lot of ways. He can hang his hat on on being a solid defensive player. And when you're when you're thinking of a team like the Warriors that is still in the midst of trying to compete, win an NBA championship, and is also trying to develop, I know the whole like two timeline thing has become somewhat of a of a meme. Yeah. It, you get shivers thinking about it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but like in general, um being able to be a positive defender, a positive off ball player and just thriving in that role that he's been given, although it will be a more clear role next season with Chris Paul involved, I think that's the way to go with Jonathan Kaminga. I think, man, I love him as a player. Uh, That's why he's part of this video here. That's part of the reason he's part of this series is because I think so highly of what he can potentially be as a player. And I think, you know, connecting that to what the Warriors potentially can be next season and sort of moving forward, it's going to be really interesting. Charlie, anything you want to plug, anything you got going on before we head out here? Yeah, well, like you said earlier, uh, I have my article on Jonathan Kaminga's shooting potential. You can check that out at swishtheory.com. That's where I do all my writing. Uh, shout out my team over there. Those guys are amazing. Um, I'm working on some stuff, talking about Moses Moody's development for the last couple seasons right now. So Very cool. hopefully have that coming out in a couple weeks. Um, I'm just I'm an absolute sucker for going <laughs> for going back into rookie tape like two years after the fact. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully got some of that coming soon. And, you know, for all the Warriors stuff, uh, you can check me out on Game 6 Clay podcast. Uh, we're usually dropping episodes weekly. You can find that on all the good platforms. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Again, uh, Charlie, appreciate you. Very excited to see what Kaminga does. And uh, a thank you to everybody else who has tapped into this episode of The Leap here. Uh, I am probably going to be in the air when this episode drops. So I, I don't I don't know how I'm going to be. Oh, look at you. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. I'm itching. I'm waiting for the day, man. You have no idea. But thank you very much uh, to Charlie. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll see what happens with Kaminga. And thank you, everybody else, tapping in. See you guys later.